Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Hello, crafted for superior taste and balance. All right. Uh, the word taste there is very <laughs> concerning. Um, you can move on past that. Also, joining us all there from our Christian to see Lee Younger. It was the pause before the response that really, that was the chef's kiss there. Well, I was kind of working back through it. I was like, crafted, cool, balance, yeah. Wait, what was in between those? That's, mm. in any any version of the phrase, it is concerning to think about the taste of this podcast. In the terms of, of tastefulness, yeah. of an actual taste, um... I, Jed, I think we're all worse off for you putting that image out there. Well, recently <laughs> my 20-year-old daughter told me that on a road trip she listened to three episodes back-to-back. Wow. And I just can't imagine what that experience is like. That's a lot. Yeah, I believe recently um, someone was sharing with me, oh, I started your podcast. Uh, I'm going back through all of it, which I can only say, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've made it impossible for you to actually do that, but... Yeah, I'm I'm now kind of thinking like what would be the the food comparison of you know what what would this podcast taste like? And I the first thing that occurs to me is like an everything bagel, but like actually everything. Like instead of just you know <laughs> it happens to be like you know sesame seeds and some garlic, right? It's like you take your whole spice rack and you just dump it on a bagel, and you're like, here it's breakfast. Like that, I, I think that would be kind of what say that would taste like. So kind of a, some, a bagel, but made in a panic by someone who had a lot of things in their spice cabinet that were going bad tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that to be right, but it feels right. <laughs> it's slathered in cream of tartar. I don't even know what that tastes like, but it's on there. It's like a bagel that was made by an alien to whom a bagel was described. Yeah, <laughs> or someone from Los Angeles. Well, that's that's fair. it's a deconstructed bagel. That's right. It's scooped. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yes. All that aside, and what of all that? I don't know. That is the the everything bagel <laughs> of intros. We threw a lot in there. Even we don't know what we were going for there. Um, uh, but with that, we have some great some of your great questions. But first. We have to declare a pastor cryptocurrency emergency. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. A lot going on there. Um, I read from the Denver Post, no less a uh, August publication than that. Denver pastor pocketed $1.3 million selling worthless cryptocurrencies, state says. Wow. Okay. It gets, it gets better in the subheading, which says, Eli Regalado runs the online-only Victorious Grace Church. He is the creator of the cryptocurrency index coin. Okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it goes down about as you'd expect. He, uh, he grifted a bunch of people at his church, which only exists online. Um, cause he said that God told him to, to make a, a cryptocurrency, uh, speaking to online followers, August 22nd, 2022, uh, the reverend, I'm going to need to see who exactly put out that certificate, Eli Regalado had a divine message. Quote, it was last October that the Lord brought this cryptocurrency to me, he said. 
take this to my people for a wealth transfer. And it has been confirmed a hundred times since, the pastor said, according to a lawsuit filed in Denver by the Colorado Securities and Exchange Commission this week. Wow. Look, I know there are matters of faith and what what one hears from the Lord in the still small voice. Um, And certainly when other people, people in leadership, take that upon themselves. And that's, we talk a lot in sermon, this podcast over the years. The Lord brought this cryptocurrency to me. That's when you pull the, uh, well, I'm going to head out, SpongeBob meme, and just (laughs) go ahead and, well, I was going to say head for the door, but again, this church doesn't actually exist, so that's when it's time time to close the browser and find something else on YouTube. I like the idea of, like, Moses, you know, uh, going to the children of Israel to tell them that he's going to be their deliverer, and then trying to sell them a bunch of NFTs. Sure. <laughs> How can we know that you Let spoke my to people the Lord? Mine. <laughs> Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is long on Bitcoin. Yes, uh, it's coming, people. Delgado said, part of, the make, part of the making way for his people is to really train them up and teach them how finances work in the kingdom, because many of you are very soon going, are going to make more money than you've ever had in your life by participating in this crypto. So, look, um, I, I, we've talked many times on, the, on this podcast over the years about kind of our own personal theologies, and recently... Um, uh, Pope Francis had a great quote where he came out and he said, this is not, you know, this is not anything to do with the church. This is just me. I, I would like to think that hell is empty. And I think that's a beautiful thought. And one, one I share as, as a, more as I age. And I certainly don't think that there's nowhere in my th- theology that the Lord uh, strikes people down for bad behavior. That's just kind of not really my understanding of Christianity. However, if you find yourself, even if it's not part of a scam saying, it's really important that the God is going to train people up about how finances work in the kingdom. Um, I would be looking out for lightning because, geez, man. Yeah. I like the idea of, like, if you were naming this, uh, you know, this cryptocurrency, like, just go the whole hog and call it Mammon Coin. No. Oh, dude. But, like, no vowels. So it's yeah. just like M-M-M-N. Oh wow! Now that I like. Wow, that's good. That's good. Going back to the how finances work in the kingdom, that, it like says that in the Bible, and it's not investing wisely. It's like the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you, or you can you know, get an NFT of a lily and try to sell it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We we may recall, and it's been a while now, but the at the height of, of the NFT trend, there was the Bored Ape Yacht Club, and you, if Recently I recall correctly, that's right, but if I recall at one point, like, they they were actually using that as, like, admission to an, an exclusive social club in, like, Manhattan or something, like, if you... I mean, the, the, the line between exclusive and no one else wants to go is a thin one, but yes, I believe it, it was used as, like, entry to a thing. So what I'm thinking of is the equivalent of a, a, a Jesus-y NFT that also gets you into a church that no one else can get into, also wouldn't want to go to, but can't get into. Mm. But we, like, 
we need the right name. What is the 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 faith based version of the Board Ape Yacht Club? Mm. And how do you how do you cut all the vowels out of twelve? I feel like you're going mm. for like an inner circle vibe. Well, the, even then, when it, what is you know with the the transfiguration, like the really the inner circle of the inner circle, is that the kind of vibe you're trying to trying to cultivate? Dude, transfigure coin. Now Not that's bad. some branding. <laughs> that's some branding, baby. Yeah, I can just you can just picture the U, the YouTube ad or the like the video ad you can't escape on Twitter where it's you know the the bright light shining and inscribing the image on the coin. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to transfigure your finances. You even get the nice alliteration of the F sounds there. Yeah. This is gold, baby. It's gold. It sounds like transform. It's that's not what transfigure means, but you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'm reading from another uh, article, and this is fun. Um, we launched an exchange. He said the exchange technology failed. Things went downhill, and from that point, we've just been waiting for the Lord on the Lord, literally for a miracle. That is not good finance stuff. No. Like I'm all for, you know, faith and even, you know, we, we on this show know people who are actually working in the financial realm who are people of faith and that's great, but I don't ever want to hear my banker say, well, I think we should hope for a miraculous intervention. No, that's <laughs> a bad sign. That's a bad sign. Yeah. I, I do think that one of the things that this raises the need for is the, the Christian culture version of Jim Cramer. Someone oh. who's making really over-the-top financial predictions, who's wrong about the vast majority of them, but is just, he's going at it with gusto. Okay, I was going to say, isn't that Dave Ramsey? But you're talking about the kind of uh, cartoonish profit version uh, aspect of Jim Cramer, and not the being an insane person. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. I also like... And this is sacrilegious in one way, but now I'm, tr- I'm picturing prophets from the actual Old Testament prophets, but delivering the information in like a Jim Cramer show format. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Like <laughs> that's... Elijah and the prophets of Baal, but he's like, just keeps jumping between cameras and yelling about how the fire's going to happen. It's going to happen any day now. And you want to be on board. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> bullish on the Assyrian Empire. Very, very bullish on the Assyrian Empire. <laughs> that works on two levels, people at home. Bullish. <laughs> well, it's not all bad news. I have because not every some people did get paid. And the people who got paid were the scammy pastor. Um ah! uh, charges are that he and his wife pocketed $1.3 million from <laughs> parishioners at the church where wow. so they don't actually go. They don't actually go with the church that doesn't actually yeah. exist. Let me tell you how finances in the kingdom work. That's right. You may wonder, uh, how did that money get spent? Well, we have some answers. Uh, so $1.3 million, it went to a Range Rover. Okay. Um, what is described as a, I believe, a snowmobile adventure, which is, okay. you know, that's pretty cool. An au pair. It doesn't mention that they have children. I really hope they do. <laughs> More like just 
an au pair as a curiosity in the <laughs> <Yeah>. house. <laughs> well, I guess there's also the possibility because we talked, we were talking about this, reading this through the story before we started, and Jed noted that there is, um, there. The Range Rover shows a certain lack of imagination and class. If you're going to steal a bunch of money so you can buy a car, and yeah, we we posited that's just the most fancy car these people just knew of, so they went out and got one. I like yeah. the idea that they don't know what an au pair is, but they just know that that's a fancy thing that rich people have. Yeah, so they yeah, told yeah, like yeah. some assistant, like, uh, here's fifty grand, go get us an au pair, and they thought it would be like a a valet or something. Yeah, <laughs> and just <laughs> a nice young woman who came over who has like a, an education degree and is asking where the kids are. They're like, oh, we don't um, put put the au pair next to the caviar. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, money also spent on jewelry, luxury handbags, cosmetic dentistry. Okay. There's no there's a Joel Osteen joke in there somewhere, but I can't quite put all the pieces together, but it's a. Pastor rip people off to get cosmetic dentistry. Some sometimes you have to do these. You have to do the final leg yourself, listener. That joke <laughs> is left as an exercise for the reader. That's right. <laughs> it's it's a it's kind of a, a, a build your own adventure. That's right. Um, but my favorite is uh, this is him defending himself, which is fun because he did a video response where he literally says, "The charges are that Caitlin, his wife, and I pocketed one point three million dollars." Those charges are true. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, earlier I was thinking to myself, for once, don't you just wish these, you know, uh, some of these scammy church people would just go ahead and say out loud, here's the deal. I want your money. The money that you have, I want to have it. And what I think you should do is you should give it to me. And just say all of it out loud, and then, and then there's dumb enough people like you'll still get some of it. And I was thinking, boy, that would be a kind of a funny thing to say out loud. But then one remembers certain political figures of late, and it's just like, yeah, saying the saying the quiet part out loud that's terrifying and world changing and unbelievably depressing. Not as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> no, no. Sometimes, sometimes the emergency segment isn't all about comedy, dear listener. Sometimes it's just um, realizing something sad, and that's an important part of the journey too. But I will say to your point, Lee, um, there is an entire class of Christian grifter that just says you need to give me money because I'm going to buy a plane with it. That's right, and it works. Yeah. So you didn't need to get cryptocurrency involved. But again, imagine being at home and being this guy's lawyer and seeing the video where he says, and I quote, those charges are true. <laughs> yeah, goes, that's that's probably not it. Yes, you have the right to remain silent. And from three guys who've uh, known and worked with a lot of people in jail, you should take that. Yes. Because <laughs> um, it turns out cops can see TikTok. If you put that on a TikTok, they'll just see it. Um, but he goes on yeah. to say, out of that 1.33 Half a million dollars went to the IRS, so mm. he wasn't going to let them Al Capone him. He did pay uh, taxes, apparently, on the money he stole, which is something. And a few hundred thousand dollars went to a home remodel the Lord told us to do. Oh, interesting. Mm. Mm. Again, I have questions about how specific the Lord was in that. Because <laughs> a few hundred thousand dollars can buy a hell of a home remodel. Does well, the Lord have uh, opinions on butcher block versus marble countertops? 
<laughs> Guys, this come on now. Don't let's be fair. This is just the classic uh reverse um Habakkuk of oh. of you know my your house lies desolate while I am provided for, saith the Lord. Why don't you get yourself something nice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. That's... I mean there like there's you know, being the pastor grifter and being a, a crypto grifter are two huge groups of people who are just high on their own supply of nonsense. But to to think that you're outwitting the Securities and Exchange Commission by saying it in part by saying this statement, in which you say, and again, I quote, those charges are true. But to then also say, well, we, we cut off a few hundred grand for a home remodel, but the Lord called us to it. Sure. At, at some sure. point, the, I would hope that you as an adult, who presumably you're a pastor, you've been a Christian for a little while, um, you got you got ordained by something, have thought, you know, sometimes there's just a thing I want. There's like a a, a voice in my head that says, that'd be cool. That's not always God's voice. <laughs> you think we yeah. should put a sunroom on the house. That's cool. I don't want you to not have a sunroom, but I don't think it's necessarily the message of the Almighty indwelling in your heart. Right. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, uh, sometimes we try to c- c- try to in these segments, even uh, goofy the ones that are with some kind of message. But um, if you gave money to this dude, you just wanted to be scammed. Yeah. Yeah. Between the the Lord's going to teach you about a something and crypto like may, maybe that's your hobby. Maybe maybe instead of going to Vegas, you just like to kick in some money to a scam every once in a while. That's fine. We don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> In in fairness, in in weirder and more cynical times in my life, I have intentionally gotten myself onto the mailing list of various televangelists to see what would happen, and it gets weird in a hurry. And so, if that's where you're at, I I get that, I get that, but but own that for what it is. Yeah. Also, make a friend. <laughs> here's, here's if we could, if we had put the two things. If you're ever at a point where you think, well, this guy with a fake online church wants to run a cryptocurrency. Here are two things we would encourage you to do. Make a friend. Um, go down to your, your local church or go down to the park. Try to join a pickup basketball game. You know, join a, a – I believe they have apps for such a thing now. Uh, that's all great. And uh, index fund. Just, just yeah. get a nice index fund. Yeah. It'll be an exercise enough in your faith for you to get an S&P 500 index fund. You'll get all the you get all the experience out of that. That's all you need. And for the first time we've ever had to say this on this show, I believe. Uh, just a reminder that we don't know anything. This is not financial advice. Ah, we've given not medical advice. We've given not psychiatric advice. This may be our first not financial advice. Ah, yeah. and on that we will declare emergency off. Even as you close out the emergency, can we just ask people for all of their money? Sure. Yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing it right now. If you're listening right now and you're looking for someone that you should just give all of your money to, and I want to be clear, I don't mean becoming a donor to Good Loud Media. I, right. I that's a separate thing. I think just me personally. Goodloudmedia.org. Exactly right. I'm talking now about just me, money for no reason, that I will also spend on a Range Rover. Just yeah. send me money to buy a Range Rover. 
If you would like to give us a few hundred thousand, a quote, a few hundred thousand dollars each for home remodels, um, that's at least in the case of ha- two out of the three of us, that's going to be worth more than our home is. But <laughs> yeah. um, that that means you get more remodeling. Yeah. You just build a second house on top of the house you have. And that's pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you feel like you have too much money and we'll scam <laughs> you, if you say, hey, I like a good scam. Yeah. We'll come up with something that's entertaining. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. If you, if you frequently eat cash salads just because you just have so much of it, you know, kick it to your boys. I, you know what? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, Jed, I've heard that on occasion you enjoy a nice cigar and aren't the best cigars lit off of flaming hundred dollar bills. Probably. Send me a few hundred dollar bills and I'll find out. I'll even film it for you and send it back to you to watch. That's experimentation. Yeah. We're doing science with your money. Isn't that fun? You're funding not only the arts, but science as well. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that our creative brains could come up with some pretty amazing R and D experiments that we could do with all of y'all's money. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, we we would turn your money into pointless nonsense, but that's what crypto's doing anyway, and no one's having any fun. So <laughs> for the win, something to think about. Yeah, that's as concisely as you can say that. I I, I declare the emergency off a second time because that emergency had so much steam of its own. We had to <laughs> we had to pull the emergency brake. Uh, so we shift to your fine questions where we are giving advice, though not medical or financial. Uh, if you hang this all the way in, then you go, I'll give you some addresses where you can get in touch with us, or you can scroll down to your episode description, click the links you find there. First question comes in this week and says, I tried a meditation app. It talked about just letting your thoughts happen without judging them. How does that go with, quote, taking every thought captive to Christ, unquote? A uh, very cool question, I think. We talked in kind of one of their New Year's episodes about uh, meditation as a practice and uh, the apps. Uh, there's a, some, a lot of apps that are a great way to do that. And you'll, you'll, pr- you'll probably run into this idea of just, letting a thought happen uh, and all that. So uh, Lee, I, I really like this question. There's not no judgment in it, but it's something they encountered that they think that's going to be helpful and trying to compare that to something they've heard uh, and Christian stuff before. So where do we start with this? Very, very cool question. I really, really like this. It's sharp. Um, there's a, the, the verse that our question asker is referring to is in the book of second Corinthians in uh, chapter 10. And, uh, where the apostle Paul says, um, basically he's saying, you know, we're, we're, we don't conduct ourselves like everybody else who carries on in the world, but we have, we have kind of different aims and we have a different way of seeing the world. And, um, we have a different way of, of facing some of our battles and our struggles and our issues. And as a part of that conversation, he says, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Um, that phrase, take captive, is one word in the original language, and it's a word that means to arrest, like like someone being arrested by the police. Um, and I really, really love, for, for me, this is, a, this is a word picture or a metaphor or whatever that just really is fruitful in my mind. And it's, it's, a, it's the kind of thing that I've talked to a lot of people about in you know, kind of like pastoral counseling type situations. Um, but I see it as being pretty similar to what you're hearing from the meditation app, the idea of, you know, your th- 
there are thoughts that occur to you, and rather than you know th- uh, having that thought and then going, "Wow, you are such a terrible person for thinking that thing," what is wrong with you? That you realize part of being in the moment is not judging myself for the fact that this thing just occurred to me. It doesn't mean I'm a horrible person. It doesn't even even mean that I want to do the thing that just occurred to me. Um, counselors and therapists talk about what they call intrusive thoughts, which um, and a lot of times by that they'll mean like a thought that is just pretty extreme that seems to come out of nowhere. Um, it's not something that maybe even the situation led to or anything like that. And counselors and therapists will – as your meditation app is guiding you, will say, just realize that you had that thought and then don't let it drive the bus of your actions or your view of yourself. Um, realize, I had a thought. Human beings have thoughts. That's okay. That's not determining who I am or, or telling me everything I need to know about myself. I can, I can let that thought, you know, it, it happened I'm going to let it go. I'm not the cause of every single thought that I have in my brain. Sometimes things just occur to me. Well, there's a similar thing going on here with the 2 Corinthians 10 stuff. I think that one of the things that, that Paul is saying is there are, there are things that occur to you, whether that's temptations or it's insecurities or, you know, or, or just an unkindness or kind of a, a trigger about a funky relationship or whatever. And I think one of the things that Paul's saying in this idea of of taking thoughts captive or arresting thoughts is there are certain thoughts that happen to me, and I don't want them running around in the streets um, undetained, running amok in my brain. Uh, if you think about your brain being like a, a, little, a little town or a little village, there are certain things that it's like, I, I don't want this thought running around in my brain causing all kinds of problems, causing all kinds of distress and destruction and stuff like that. So I'm going to not judge myself for having it, but I'm going to arrest it. And so how would you do that? Well, you would do an, a very similar thing that you would with intrusive thoughts or with, um, with some of this, you know, some of these meditation practices, which you would say, about yourself and to yourself, okay, this is a thing that I thought. However, what do I know that's true? Um, What do I know about myself? How can I be generous with myself in this moment? And how can I be, uh, center myself on what is actually true? That kind of practice, that is an intentional practice that doesn't let an intrusive or an unhealthy or a judgmental or an insecure thought Take over, ruin, and run your whole day. What we're basically talking about is you're going to think some things. Some of them are going to be unhelpful. Some of them are going to be really, really weird. Um, It's kind of like dreams that you have. Sometimes you're just going to have really bizarre dreams. And it's not, it doesn't mean you're the worst person in the world. It doesn't mean you're horrible. And some of these things, you do not need to let them drive the bus of your day. You do not let let them. You do not need to let them run the whole show. And you can take those thoughts captive by, again, not judging yourself and kind of reminding yourself of what's true and practicing the ability to stay in the moment and specifically taking thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ is um, another way that Paul says this in another scripture is 
but we have the mind of Christ. I want him to inform what are helpful, healthy, true things so that I don't have intrusive or messed up thoughts just come in and ruin my day. That is a really, really fantastic place to start that off. And Jed, where would we take it from there? I love this question, and I'm super proud of you for trying the meditation app. I think that's really, really cool. I, I hope that you enjoyed it, but either way, I'm really proud of you for trying it, and I think it's super cool. And I'm really glad that you are thinking things through and that you've got questions and that you're being upfront about that. I think it's really great. So I'm going to offer a couple thoughts from my own experience with meditation, but also meditation as a person of faith. And in the spirit of the the great maxim from the meditation world of we are all just walking each other home, these are just thoughts from my own experience for whatever extent they are useful. I think the first is that if where you're trying to get to is a place of kind of being in charge of your brain, which that's that's cool, that's a fine goal. I think that journey begins by admitting that you're not and saying that I need to learn tools that will help me grow in that. We, I think the following is true. I'm not an anthropologist, but I, I, I think most anthropologists would agree with the following that we live in the most overstimulated time that humanity has ever seen. Um, I, I can't imagine that not being true. Um, we, we live in a time that is turned up to full volume 24 hours a day. Um, and there's, there's never a break. There's never, uh, it never turns off and, and it only turns off if you make the conscious decision to take a break and to turn it off. And so to that end, I might encourage you instead of, of even worrying too much about, you know, you know, uh, do I want to let through these thoughts or these other thoughts or whatnot? I think a great place to begin, particularly meditation, is what about just giving yourself a break from thinking at all? Mm. What about creating a space in your life and in your day where you can simply be present and not actively thinking? In my experience, that is almost paradisial. It is um it's incredible. It is, it is one of my favorite things. I, and I hope that you get the, the chance to experience that. And I hope that you like it as much as I do. And one of the ways to approach that, and I'm describing here, there, there's different kinds of meditation, but I'm describing what's referred to as mindfulness meditation. And one of the easiest ways to do it, and, and there's plenty of apps that will help you do this, is to just focus on your breathing. And there's different kinds of breathing that you can do, but you're, you're just focusing for, for a set time on your breathing. And what will inevitably happen is that you will find your mind wandering, thinking about that conversation that you had with that person at work or reviewing your grocery list or, as Lisa, some, you know, intrusive thought that makes you uncomfortable comes in your head. But the beautiful nonjudgmental part, and this is something that literally like this is a thing people use in their meditation practice I use, is you just in, in the quietness of your thoughts. I mean, you can say it out loud if you want to, but in your own head, you just say the word thinking. And then you go back to focusing on your breath. That's it. That's the, that's the only response that you give it. And a few minutes later, inevitably, you're going you're gonna to notice the same thing. Your mind is wandering. It's, maybe it's on something mundane. Maybe it's on something that, that makes you uncomfortable. But thinking. You just say to yourself the word thinking. And then you go back to focusing on your breath. That may sound almost a little bit silly. Like, how could that 
actually work, it does. Like it, it, it definitely works. It's, it's about 20 times more effective than, than you might imagine as if you've not done it before. And I think one of the things that you might discover that I have certainly discovered is that modern Western American Christian culture has created these ideas about almost everything, honestly, but particularly about the way that we approach, you know, our interior landscape that are adversarial. Everything is set up as there's, there's an enemy to be, to be fought. There's a a fight to be had. There's a war to win. And maybe those things are true. Maybe they're not. But what I can say is that the thought processes that result from kind of viewing everything through an adversarial lens actually just have your brain in a clench all the time. Like you're tense and you're clenched and you're stressed all the time. It's certainly true for me. I think it's actually true for a lot of people. And that's not a pathway to a better relationship with your thoughts. Certainly not for most people, a, a, a path of gentle persuasion for most people, most of the time works better. A path where you are present with your breath. And when you notice your mind wandering, you simply remind yourself very gently thinking, and then you return to focusing on the things you wanted to focus on. That for most people is going to, in the long run, work a heck of a lot better than I'm just going to clench my brain as hard as I possibly can and make sure that I only think about the good things that I want to think about. Um, your, your brain is not an MMA octagon. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I think if you try and treat it that way, for most people, that's counterproductive. What I would say is that we live in a, in a culture, and this unfortunately includes Christian culture, where we look at gentleness as a form of weakness and certainly as something wildly ineffective. If you want, if you want change, you got to be tough. You got to be hard. You got to be ready to, to throw down, man, put it in a chokehold. In my experience, if you want interior change, it begins with gentleness and it, it begins with learning how to be gentle with yourself and with your own thoughts. And a big part of that is learning how to not be instantly judgmental of yourself and your thoughts. Even if that means just creating a space where you're not thinking at all. And when you find your mind wandering, you cue yourself thinking. Absolutely right. I think that's fantastic stuff uh, from both of these guys kind of uh, to give another angle on the idea of kind of, I think what we're talking about here, where there's a lot of overlap between uh, both the idea of I take every thought captive to Christ and just kind of letting it go of not letting those, those thoughts drive the bus. Um, I think one of the things that is unhelpful has been unhelpful in my life is the idea that every thought or idea or situation if interrogated long and long enough and detailed enough and vigorously enough will lead to something helpful and satisfying. Um, why did I th- as, to take it back to Lee with the intrusive thoughts? Why did I think that? Why would it be that? Why was this the thing that came up in my dream? Or why did I just randomly think of this as I was, I was sitting there? It must, it must all mean something. Um, Maybe in the fullness of all things, everything means something, but sometimes you just have a weird thought and that's okay. There's a, uh, to go along with uh, the great stuff that Lee gave us and the, the thinking cue that 
that uh, Jed gave us. Um, I will give you one of my favorite lines from from a book of all time, which is from the book The Three Musketeers. There's a whole thing where they're going on some harebrained scheme, and one of the the three older guys asks the main character, uh, "Well, can't we know why we should do this?" And no, it's got to be a secret. But the line that comes uh, from kind of the grizzled old character is, let us go and be killed, we're told. Is life worth the trouble of so many questions? Which on some <laughs> level is, A, the most French thing I've ever heard in my life. And uh, I wouldn't take it so far as, is, is life worth the trouble? But I do think there are some, there's some freedom of some things like, eh, is that really worth questioning? Is there any, is there any gold at the end of that rainbow if I follow <clears throat> why I just had a weird thought about an embarrassing thing I did in seventh grade. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just do something else as well with my mental real estate. And that is, that is always something worth exploring when you're in those uh, situations. With that, we'll move on to our next question here. Comes in and says, a friend recommended a Christian book to me. I really didn't like it and thought it had some (laughs) harmful stuff in it. They're very excited to hear what I thought. What do I tell them? Oh, dear listener, there are some situations you, you our question askers bring up where mm, we're not really, we can you know think through it, but not a lot of firsthand experience. Here's a Christian thing. What did you think? That is something that your three intrepid hosts have had a lot of experience uh, dealing with. And with that, <laughs> Lee, where do we start off? Oh, how fun this conversation is going to be. I, you know, I, I think... Um, there's a couple of things that I think about this. One is um, uh, you make the statement that they really want to know what you think about it. L- let's investigate that a little bit. And, and I only question that out of my own personal experience and knowing Christians for a long time. Um, they, this person that you're talking to, talking about may actually want to know what you think about it. Most of the Christians who have ever recommended a book to me and then want to talk about it, what they really want to do is they want to talk about it. They want to talk about what they thought about it. They want to tell you all of the smart ideas and thoughts that they had about it. They're not, very rarely are they very actually interested in what I thought about the book. If I were going to be in this conversation and I don't, I do not like having, uh, you know, tense conflict conversations or anything like that. I don't like arguing with people. Um, that's, that is not a fun thing for me. It's something that I've <laughs> tried to get out of as much as possible in my life. If I could, um, I think the place that I would start if we did have to have a conversation about this book is I would just give this person, a, I, I would just show interest in this person. Uh, Tell me, tell me about you with this. Why is this something that you were super interested in or why, why did you like it? And give, just give them a chance to talk about themselves and be interested in who they are. If you can encourage this person or you can, in other words, like I would try to drive the conversation away from what I thought about this book. Uh, especially if that's just going to end up in an argument or something like that. And I would try to honestly be interested in this person. Um, you know, what, what motivates them and what, where, where are they growing and what are some things that, that, you know, that, that pique their interest. If somebody's insisting on, on finding out exactly what you thought about this book, then, you know, there are ways 
And actually, um, I, I'm I'm kind of excited to hear what Jed's going to say on this because um, Matt will probably agree with this too. But like, it's amazing to watch Jed um, in a situation where he massively disagrees with somebody he's talking to, and he just um, judo moves the conversation out of we're about to get in an argument, even though I know for a fact that Jed massively disagrees with this person. But the, And it's usually uh, just showing interest in the person, because guess what? Everyone likes to talk about themselves. And so, and everybody likes to have people interested in themselves. So that would be my advice is, because if, if the deal is, what do you think about the book? I think the book sucks, and I think that you suck for, for sending it to me. Or I think this is dangerous but I really liked it. Well, you're almost certainly going to get into an argument about that. My, the, the last piece on this is, um, I don't know that you're going to talk your, um, friend or acquaintance into your point of view on this thing. And that's why I would choose a different goal of, if I'm going to be in this conversation, my goal is going to be to, um, to, to make the conversation about this person and to show interest in them and try to find out if there's something that, if, if there's a way that I can encourage them or be a blessing to them or um, find some common ground where I can say, I can see in your life why you're interested in that thing. You have this really cool way about you of blah, 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 blah. Um, and usually if somebody feels accepted and encouraged, then um, that is a positive thing. That's probably where I would drive it, but I also can't wait to hear our next, <laughs> our next responder, because I have, I have on many occasions seen some pretty effective magical judo. <laughs> Absolutely right. Magical judo, one of the finest forms of martial arts, by the way. Um, I, I, well, oh, yes. I, I totally agree with Lee's assessment there. Um, but what I thought he was going to say, and it's another aspect as we gas Jed up before, what better be a pretty good answer, Jed. Wow. Um, uh, I, I thought, and it's, it's another aspect of Jed doing things. Uh, Jed Brewer has been, Presented with more, uh, oh bless your heart, forms of art in my presence yeah. than really anyone else I've ever met. Um, like stuff that's bad, stuff where like the message is unclear, it's unlistenable, and uh, he often finds a way to find something positive to say about it in a way that the person doesn't feel feel awful. So uh, Jed is someone who. Has maybe uniquely been in the confluence of these situations of bad ideas and uh, substandard works of media. Where do we land on this? Well, gentlemen, I thank you both for the very kind uh, comments and regards. Um, I I would want to build very much on what Lee was saying by figuring out how to respond to this is going to require us to try and think carefully through what is the nature of my relationship with this person? Yeah. Why did they share this piece of media with me to begin with? And what is it that they are hoping to get out of my response to this piece of media? Um, let's start with um, kind of a, a couple, I guess, boundaries, really, you know, kind of left or right limits on this. Is this an emergency situation? In other words, is there is there something so profoundly wrong um, with what's going on here that like I I need to really be just 
crystal clear in a way that, you know, will probably be unwelcome and rude. I mean, this is obviously an extreme example, but if, if someone hands you a copy of Mein Kampf and says, you know, I think there's a lot of really interesting points in here and I'd love to know what you think. Um, there's not, you kind of have a moral obligation to push back extremely hard on that and, um, uh, to be, you know, really unmistakably clear about that. Um, likewise, if this is a part of an ongoing manipulation, you know, Hmm. um, you've got a, a, a parent in law who is, who's trying to tell you what to do with your finances and they're giving you a copy of Financial Peace University, the book, and they really want to know your thoughts on it, where this isn't about the book. This is about you trying to control my life. And I've actually been crystal clear with you. That's not going to happen. These are situations where, again, being being delicate, being um, polite, that that flies out the window. Most of the time, we are not in situations that that. I hope anyway, require that kind of um, uh, extreme response. And so I'm going to give you kind of a range of responses that I use all the time that you'll need to decide for you which of these fits the situation. Because, again, it's never about the piece of media. It's it's about the broader relationship that you have with this person, how they see you, what this piece of media represents to them in their own life. And the kind of response that they are probably looking for based on those factors, right? And so, again, we go back to where Lee took us, where we need to understand those broader implications. Once we do, there's a range. And so one thing that I do all the time is to find an aspect of the piece of artwork that I did enjoy and simply share about that, Um, you know, with, with a piece of music, man the way that that drummer got after it in the second verse, they, they really, they just propelled the song forward. They really upped the energy level. It's a ton of skill on their part. I, I really, really dug that great groove. I'm not commenting on the rest of the song. I'm not commenting on the lyrics. I'm, I found a thing that I did legitimately enjoy and I am, and I'm sharing about that. It's a perfectly lovely response. And, and so, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of the time, if you find one thing that you legitimately enjoyed and you share that, they will be happy then to take the baton from you and just talk about the things that they liked about it, which is probably what they were looking to do to begin with, which is exactly what, what Lee was telling you. And you have here a great strategy where you've been able to um, kind of meet the relational need that they have to be honest, like you're not lying. You're not, you're not saying I loved it when you didn't, you're, you're finding something that is, that did connect with you. And you're sharing about that. This is, this is great. In those cases where it's appropriate to do so and where, man, you just, there was nothing in there that you liked at all. The the language that I would use and that I have used is, you know, my friend, I am so glad that you enjoyed that book. And, and it means a lot to me that you share with me the things that matter to you. Um, if it matters to you, it matters to me. I really, I appreciate that a lot. This particular book wasn't quite my thing, but I celebrate your enjoyment of it. Um, the fact that you enjoyed it means a lot to me and I appreciate you sharing it with me. People that aren't on, aren't on something weird are not going to have a problem with that. Um, you know, I mean, um, or to put it another way, someone who responds poorly to that feedback is on something weird for sure. If, 
if we're dealing with a situation where we are trending towards there's some pretty bad stuff in whatever this piece of media is, song, book, movie, it doesn't really matter. I think you can share a very similar sentiment and then add, you know, I, I would note just as something to consider that issue ABC, it doesn't matter what the issue is, but but this issue that was raised in this piece of media, I think that can be viewed um, in ways other than what this piece of media presents. And, and I mm. think that um, some adjustments to an alternate view could definitely be healthier, um, certainly for some folks and probably for me. Um, again, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm really glad that, that you dug it and that it was a source of joy for you. I think there's some stuff in there that, that would give me pause, you know, for what it's worth, you know, just, just food for thought. Again, that's a very gentle, uh, very respectful response. Um, it would be a person with issues and on something weird that would have a, a particular problem with that. The other thing that you can do that is authentic and honest and real, this is you know more for non-emergency situations, is to be clear that you, you don't like it, but, but to give broader context, right? So like if someone serves you a dish that has a ton of cilantro in it, um, you know, plenty of people have a specific gene where to them cilantro tastes like soap. And so it's no problem to be like, hey, man, I am sure that this is just epic guacamole. Um, I'm sure you have done an amazing job in crafting this dish. I actually um, like literally medically like cilantro doesn't taste good to me. It tastes like soap. And so that for me, that's kind of all that I that I get here. But that's that's about my specific situation. I'm sure outside of that, this is epic guacamole. And so it's no problem at all to, to, to say to somebody, Hey man, um, this song that you've shared with me, I am sure it's an epic song. Screaming is just really grating to me. And I don't, it's just, it's really hard for me to, to connect when that happens. Um, that's, that's about my personal preferences. I'm not saying that that's, you know, like an intrinsically good or bad thing. Um, but, you know, given that screaming's hard for me to connect with, but dude, I know it gives you joy. And I think it's, I think it's great. And I, I really celebrate that for what it's worth. That range of responses will cover about 99% of use cases. Right. Right. It's, it's pretty rare that you're going to come up with something that, um, isn't covered by one of those. I use all of those all the time. Um, you know, you can kind of adjust to taste on, on your situation, um, and if you are being respectful and if you're coming from a place that is supportive and encouraging, even in those cases where you kind of need to say, Hey, one wasn't my thing again, someone who has a fiery response to that, they're letting you know that they are having issues in their own life, which is a good thing for you to be aware of. Why do you hate my book, Jed? Yeah, exactly. Right. I think that's. Great points all around. Um, one one uh, flavor I would I would kind of add in here is so that you say there's some toxic. What was the exact wording? There's some uh, some stuff that's not great in there. Um, harmful stuff. Um, harmful exists on a spectrum. Yep. So maybe it's not the greatest theology, or maybe it's like oh, you know, it's a little power positive thinking for where I am in my journey. You know, nothing's perfect. Um, so it's up to you whether or not that warrants conversation as these guys are pointing out. Um, if it's something that really, you know, if you say, well, I really like the, the chapter where they talked about, you know, how their faith helped them through some hard times. Um, the whole part about how, uh, 
white America is going to be replaced by immigrants and we need to stop it. That's, um, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and if this person knows you and it, they're, they're probably not going to be shocked by that. And again, as these guys point out, you can, you can be, uh, kind and gentle and direct and beginning. Say, so, oh, you know, seven out of 10. I like this. I didn't like that. And it pretty much goes one of two ways from there. One is, as these guys have pointed out, and much more likely one is they go, oh, I really like da 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 and they just go, that's fine. They give you a book report. We've all been there. That's fine. Or, well, I, I gave it to you because financial peace is important, and da 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 and then you, you've learned something from this interaction, and that's important. Um, and here's an important thing, and it's great that you did this. If this is a person you care about having a relationship with, uh, I have told people in my life, I'm not reading that, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> and that's cool too. You do always have that option. It's good that you did it and you gave it the due diligence, but uh it also is occasionally good to remember that time on this earth is finite and we have some control over how we spend it. I will say if you do have a friend in your life who happens to be a pastor, please don't hand him or her a book. Yeah, pastors have enough books. It's yeah, we 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 really we're reading the ones that we've got to read. We we don't need yours. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Write a summary, turn it in. Without we move on to our final question, it comes in and says, I've heard a lot of people talk about social media fast and how being online is so toxic. I don't like getting into fights or get obsessed with likes. I don't really post that much, but I enjoy scrolling through stuff. Maybe spend a little more, little too much time doing it on some days. How do I know if this is a problem or not? That's a great question. And I, it really does follow up on uh, what we talked about last episode with fast I think Jed mentioned, you know, they're fast from different types of things. And Lee, I think this is kind of another one of those classic uh, early in the year situations. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a good font. We talked about, you know, there's other things, things that work for people, but I think social media is definitely one of those things where uh, particularly older folks who may be in charge of, who may be the ones on stage or maybe the ones, you know, posting this in your, in your group or whatever are very, very gung ho about how bad a thing they don't entirely understand or have as part of their life is. So why don't we just fast that and put some point on that? But as our, as our question asker points out here, there are definitely problems with social media, but it's also a thing that is just, you know, something that people like. So to get to the heart of their question, how do we know if this is a, something that we need some fasting from, or if it's fine? This is a cool question. And I think it's a, it's cool that this question came in an episode where, um, where we've, you know, talked about, uh, meditation and Jed, uh, was, you know, reminding us and, and kind of putting some good words to it about how overstimulated our society is and everything. And this is, this is a, just a really cool thought to kind of, to kind of dovetail with that. I, I would encourage you to look at a few questions. Um, one would be when you think about your online life, and whatever you're scrolling or anything like that, um, let's just kind of ask about some extremes. Like, is your kind of scrolling situation, is it hampering your work or your relationships or your sleep? Those are kind of the big questions that I would want you to start with. Is like, is this affecting my ability to get my job done? Is it negatively affecting any relationships that mean a lot to me? Um, and is it keeping me from getting the rest that I need? Um, you are a human being. 
and you need to get a certain amount of sleep. You need to get a certain amount of rest. And if you're in a situation with, uh, you know, scrolling on, you know, certain apps or whatever, and you're just like staying up hours past a, a good time for you to sleep, that's probably something to look at. We probably need to dial some of that back and we need to make sure that you get the rest that you, that you need to get. Another question that I would encourage you to look at is the way that you spend time online or the, or the, the particular apps that you engage with or the particular posts that you see from, from whether that's from, you know, famous people, or if it's from, uh, you know, uh, friends or acquaintances or whatever, do those, do those interactions make you feel worse about your own life? Do they make you feel sad or triggered or, or frustrated with your own life situation? Um, because of somebody else's life or somebody else's posts and stuff like that. Those are the place, those are kind of the big questions that I would encourage you to start with. Because if you have a relationship with your kind of online presence where it's affecting relationships that matter to you, it's affecting your sleep, and it's affecting your ability to, to do your job. In other words, it's impacting negatively your ability to have a healthy, balanced life. And that's probably something we want to look at taking a break or dialing some stuff back or, or, you know, putting some limits or something like that. But the other side of that coin is if you're only really looking at this, like if you really enjoy the time that you spend online and the accounts that you follow and it makes you laugh or it encourages your creativity or, um, you you know, you get a lot of questions answered out of the things that you look up and you check out. If all of that is happening and the only reason we're asking this question is because, you know, so-and-so just told everybody that she is taking the month off of Instagram, you know, the month of January off from Instagram and really worded that post in a way that makes, makes everybody feel like, and that's why she's better than you, then that's something that, then I would encourage you, you know, don't worry about what so-and-so is doing. And for the month of January, you know, fasting from social media, what we really want to look at is, and this is for really kind of anything in your life. It's not just social media, but it could be, it could be movies. It could be food. It could be, it could even be exercise. One time on this show, I heard Jed say, you could, a human being could drink too much water and it would kill them. Like anybody, people can get extreme about anything. If there's anything in my life that is hampering my ability to have the healthy relationships that matter to me or, or get the, the sleep and the rest that I need or the exercise and health and balance that I need or, um, you know, or, or keep me from doing my job. Those are things that I need to look at, figuring out a different approach to those things. If it's just because other people are bragging about the, their fast that they're doing and it makes them better than everybody else, then I would say, don't worry about what those people are doing. The, the real question has to do with your own health, enjoyment, and balance, and relationships. Really, really well put. Jed, where do we close this one out? So in a, in a sense, I, I also want to link this back to the meditation question at the beginning. So hang with me for a second, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to where that comes in. My big question for you on this is, are you having fun? Like when you, when you go on TikTok and you scroll, are you having fun? Because if you're having fun, you, you should keep doing it. Like that's, that's great. 
we we all need fun in our lives, like super yeah. duper a lot. And if this is fun for you, that's that's awesome. And uh, as we've discussed a lot on on this show in the previous episode, like um, nothing is the same for everybody. There there's people for whom cooking is super fun and there's people for whom cooking is pure misery. Uh, if it's fun for you, great. Keep doing it. It's awesome. The link back to, um, meditation is mindfulness is not just something that applies to meditation. One of the things that's really, really important for a healthy life is keeping in touch with how you're doing and how you're feeling about things. Right. So, um, and an example, one of the things that, that gets all of us into trouble in, in big ways and small ways is kind of going on autopilot and doing stuff just because we're doing it. Like that, that first cup of coffee in the morning, you know, you're grabbing because man, I'm groggy and I need a little kick and I need to, I need to wake up and you know, I enjoy the taste of the coffee. For people that are having six or seven or eight cups of coffee in a day, at a certain point, they're not really enjoying it anymore. It's just what they're doing, right? This is, this is no longer about a desire for coffee. It's just, it's, it's just what I do. And that's kind of the thing that we want to look out for is when we're no longer getting the thing that we want out of it, it's just what we're doing. And developing a mindfulness in our lives where we're paying attention to, am I still having fun with this? Am I still enjoying this? What I think you might find with scrolling TikTok or, or whatever else you're doing online is that, and I'm going to make the following numbers up because your mileage will vary. But, you know, the first 20 minutes that I'm doing it, it's really fun for me. Like I, I check in with my my favorite accounts and my favorite content creators and, you know, see new funny cat videos. And it's really, really cool. And I really enjoy it. And then around minute 30, if I'm kind of paying attention to myself internally, I kind of discover, eh, I'm not really having that much fun with it. I'm just, I'm just doing it now. And that's the moment to watch out for, not because now you're doing something wrong and you're bad or, or whatever. It's more just, this is no longer doing the thing that you want it to do. This is, if you're doing it to have fun and it stopped being fun, now it's time to stop because the, the point of doing it was to have fun. So I think that's the thing that I, I would want to encourage you to do, but not just with, with social media, right? Is you think of another thing that people are, are, you know, making big resolutions to, to do in a new way. Right. And, and for a lot of people of faith, right. It's like, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a, a quiet time and I'm going to set aside an entire hour to get into prayer and the word. And if you, in a mindful way, you're paying attention to yourself, you might know that you find it really rewarding for the first 12 minutes that you're doing it. And after that, it starts to become kind of a drudgery. Then do it for 12 minutes. Right. The more that we can pay attention to our own internal state and, and our own um, status, our own sense of, of how we're feeling, the better we can dial things in. Something that, that comes up actually in meditation circles, but it also comes up in therapy, and I wish that it would come up in, in churches more often— is the idea of asking, is this thing still serving me? I'm doing this because I'm hoping to get something out of it, whether that thing is fun or inspiration or feeling centered or, um, you know, feeling energized. Is that happening? 
is this thing serving me? Am, am I, am I getting out of it the thing that I want? And am I getting out of it roughly in the proportion that, that I'm looking for? If it is hooray, and don't let somebody take that away from you. If, if your you know, 20 minutes of scrolling at the end of the day is fun for you and it gives you joy and it's something to, to look forward to. Awesome. Um, but anything where we're doing it in a way where it's actually not giving us what we want. It's not even that we need to, you know, give it up and cut it out of our lives. It's like, can I approach this in a different way where it serves me better, where it serves my goals better? And maybe that's doing it at a different time of day. Maybe it's doing less of it. Maybe it's doing more of it in a different way, but giving yourself permission to just be taking your own temperature as you go and to recognize Mm -hmm. that things should be serving you. Uh, your, your quiet time should be serving you. And your fun time should be serving you and your rest time should be restful and serving you that that's good. That that's an appropriate and healthy way to, to look at things and that you are going to have to be the judge of when things are and are not serving you. No one else can look inside your brain and heart and make that determination for you. You're going to have to make that determination and developing an ongoing sense of mindfulness is actually a big part of how you can learn to do that. We've got your back on that journey. Absolutely right. Great stuff from both of these guys here. Um, I think one one thing that's worth kind of uh, tacking on as we as we in this discussion here is that I think especially with social media, there is an idea that is easy to beat yourself up with that this is a waste of time because I could be doing something else, and it kind of takes us back to where it at least started with us with because would you be doing something else? He's like, oh, I. I I've just spent, spent all this time on, you know, on, on social media this, this year. And I could have read, I could have read 20 books. Did you have 20 books you wanted to read? Mm-hmm. Cause if you didn't, then that's fine. Um, you know, if you find yourself saying, ah, you know, I wake up for the first thing in the morning and the first thing I do is reach my phone or before I go to bed and I'd really like to, you know, take a walk or listen to an audio book or do this other thing. And I just, just the, 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 to sit there and scroll is so much easier. That's, that's definitely something, but this idea of like, well, if I just didn't do this thing that I enjoy, then that would force me to do something else that I wouldn't enjoy really, but would be the vaguely an idea of self-improvement, which that's just not a thing. Like it's not going to automatically make you do this. You're not going to read, you're not going to magically have a copy of Moby Dick appear in front of you and start reading it because you, delete Instagram off your phone for a month. If you want to read Moby Dick, that's great. Um, if you want to look at Instagram, that's cool. You, you could do both in in different proportions at different times. That's all, that's all fine. But I think one of the, the big myths of, uh, social media. And again, it comes, I think when it can definitely be externally pushed from, from people who are anti-social media for whatever reason, and you're free to be anti-social media is this idea that, Oh, it's just this huge time suck where you would be doing, you'd be, you know, learning stuff and reading and doing all this great community service. If it weren't for that darn phone in your hands, like I, you know, you can, you can do stuff too. And, and sit down and scroll Twitter for five minutes while you're in the, uh, in the car before you walk in. That's, that's, that's allowed. That's how most people use it. So as these guys are pointing out, really look at the impact at the, at the issues. And that's how you arrive at a good strategy, really in anything, but including so how social media fits in your life. All right. If you have a question for us at podcast, gmail.com, the bridge, slash ask. 
you want to keep that entirely anonymous, take out the song this week. This is from Jed. It's called So Here I Am. Thank you for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. If you were looking for accomplishment, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted failure, so here I am. If you were looking for intelligence, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted fools, so here I am. But you said you wanted me, so here I am.